0: Everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast, where we cover everything from crypto trading and investing to NFTs, decentralized finance, and so much more. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer to buy or sell financial products. This podcast is sponsored by CoinFlex, the home of crypto yield. Whether you're passively managing money or taking an actively managed approach, you can earn and trade crypto easily on CoinFlex, which sees over $2 billion in daily trading volume. CoinFlex is committed to making crypto derivatives yield accessible to everyone, whether you are investing hundreds or thousands of dollars and more. With a newly launched automated market-making product, called AMM Plus, you can earn yield on crypto by providing liquidity into the future's markets. The AMM Plus is 10 times more capital efficient than other automated market makers and offers multiple collateral types so that you can earn more with less. Interested in learning more about CoinFlex and trying out the AMM Plus? Head over to coinflex.com AMM to get started and let the market work for you. Hey, Sidu, thanks for joining me on Crypto Unstacked for a bonus episode talking about the impending U.S. Bitcoin linked ETF that's coming onto the market. And I believe it's trading starting today, right, at U.S. Open uh, on the NYSEE.
1: Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, ever since I uh, entered crypto in early 2017, they've been talking about kind of what's next and ETFs have been mentioned every year pretty much since then and for here we are four years later uh we have one
0: people have been talking about how etfs could be really helpful in bring more investors especially i would say the retail investors into the market but this one's interesting this pro shares us bitcoin futures linked etf because it actually is one that invests in bitcoin futures contracts, right? as opposed to the actual underlying, so the spot bitcoin. Can you talk a little bit about like what that means uh, for someone who who would be investing in this ETF?
1: Yeah, so so maybe maybe by by quick way of background, um, Leslie, you know, ETFs have played a huge part in non in the non-crypto markets as well and particularly around equities. So ETFs were you know introduced you know many years ago into equities and they suddenly changed the playing field because as a retail or passive investor you could now select a bunch of different stocks an index an index for the S&P oil index a property index a tech index so it's a very valuable investment tool that's that's needed in every asset class and so it's um it's it's a really good news that crypto has an access to an ETFs and and of course there are several more there are pending, like several more that are pending in the US over the next week and, and weeks. So mm-hmm. overall it's a great thing. And um, so so that should be the starting point. And then I guess the the follow-up question is around what you just asked, which is like what about this one in particular? Um, you know, when you say does it track or it doesn't track, I mean the, the fact is that all of these ETFs will track the underlying. So there is no doubt that ETFs and ETPs and ETNs are all good mm-hmm. for the crypto space. The the second, the more important question once all of these products get listed is, um, you know, which one is the most efficient from a cost, cost and return perspective and which one's most appropriate for retail versus professional. Um, and so those are the questions that are now being asked. And, you know, as you said, we've gone from a, you know when ETF and all of a sudden, you know, bang, there's an ETF. And now, of course, there's a stream of social media and and Twitter and um, LinkedIn comments around this particularly pro shares ETF and the the drawbacks that it has compared to, say, a a physically denominated ETF.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about one of the points that you just brought up, uh, which are the costs, right, of actually investing in this Bitcoin futures linked ETF and so one of those costs being roll costs and the other cost actually being just fees right fees that you're paying to a bunch of middlemen who are going to make this ETF happen you know anywhere from the auditors to administrators to, to brokers who will be handling facilitating uh, these trades on behalf of let's call it retail um, or institutional investors. Let's talk through a bit of those. Like, what's the concept of a role cost for these types of futures? Futures
1: are, are term, term contracts. And, and what we mean by that is that they have an, a set expiry date. Um, certainly the CME futures does. And um and cryptos, perps futures don't. And that's, that's a slightly different conversation related to this later, perhaps. But, but the CME futures have a term structure to it. And that means that on a set date, every month or every quarter, those futures expire. And this is not just for crypto, this is for all the products that they have. And so what that means is that typically if, you, uh, if the ETF gains exposure through the CME futures, which is, which is what the ProShares does, uh, when the month end arrives, the, the fund, uh, fund controller would have to basically sell the, the contract that's expiring, which, you know, let's say it starts on uh, uh, t- tomorrow on in the U- in U.S. hours or tonight U.S. hours, um, the first futures contract, will even if they do a monthly contract, the October contract or the December contract, if it's quarterly, will expire at the end of each month. And at that point, they will have to sell that contract out and buy the the next month along or the next quarter along. And when markets are in contango, which is very, very frequent in commodity markets, which is about by contango we mean that the next the further out contracts traded at a higher dollar price than the near contracts there is an actual physical dollar outlay that you do you're 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 paying back or costing you each time you do this roll so that that cost may be a few dollars it may be 50 dollars it could be 100 dollars and and each time the fund rolls these futures those are actually a negative number that's going against the uh, the, the, the fund and mm. so it's an actual actual cost uh, that that uh, comes into play, and people are now trying to estimate. You know, what does that typically look like? Um, now, this is a, the first thing I must say in, in the defense of pro shares is that this is a cost that exists in every single other futures ETF that are out there. It could be a gold one, it could be an oil one. It does not matter. They all. This is not. This is not uh, limited to just the crypto pro shares one. But you know, right now, um, you know, they, they're trying to estimate this roll cost in normal markets to be somewhere between 10 to 20 percent. A hit on returns compared to holding the underlying spot, but mm. that's in normal market conditions. And as and right now, crypto is not in a really normal market conditions. I.e., the futures curves are very very flat for what they could be. And so, if we enter into a bull market phase, you know those costs could be at least for could be up as forty fifty percent on annualized on at roll time. And so, it is a si- significant drag on on returns.
0: Mm. So, do you think with this launch? we're going to see that curve steepen. So we're going to be in more contango position with you know, futures prices being much higher than they are now.
1: I mean, interestingly, leading up to this announcement, futures contracts on CME were absolutely flat. And the reason was, is that every time there is some contango on CME futures, you get US institutional accounts coming in and buying spots, selling futures and trying to capture that yield. And that the reason simply being that those dollar yields that are implied in crypto do not exist in the traditional space. And so these um, uh, huge funds in the US can go to their prime broker, probably borrow dollars at, I don't know, one or one to 2% or maybe 3%. And then basically get five to 7% on, on CME very, very easily. And so they say there was a wall of cash that came in and flattened on tango on cme even though on the offshore exchanges there was still pretty decent yield and you could still earn 12 on on flex usd and on Coinflex, but on mm-hmm. cme it was actually zero percent because um, a lot of these instos can't trade on offshore exchanges and cme is the only venue they have to deploy capital um leading up to the pro shares uh, announcement base is jacked up to about you know 10 10 or 12 percent on cme and and that's you know that's getting arbbed right now. So there will be a, a wall of money that comes into the um, CME contract once the ETFs go live. They'll probably arb that, that back down to the single mid, mid single digits. Um, but that's good because that means there's more capital being deployed to to uh, crypto. So the I think the answer to your question is the the level of contango is not really going to be driven by. Um, the, you know, on CME, for example, is not going to be really be driven by where crypto is going to, but it's really how much capital is getting deployed. Because if we move into and we'll, it seems that we're moving into another bull run here, potentially, um, you know, bases will steepen on offshore exchanges. I think on CME, it'll, it'll just do whatever it has to do to accommodate the institutional money. It will detach itself.
0: So who's taking advantage of these arbitrage opportunities right now?
1: So it's only really available to uh, professional trading firms. And so it's, it's a little bit of an unfair advantage on CME because you, on the one hand, um, you've got, you know, potential passive capital retail investors sort of buying the pro shares ETF. And, and on the other hand, they're basically directly funding trading firms P&L on basis trading, which is, um, you know, which is unfair in a way because because you know we the whole point about this was to make it easily accessible for retail and here here we've got we we've got a product that uh that uh, you know institutional traders won't most likely on the whole will not be using the pro share ETF because of the roll costs because if mm. you're in, in store, if you're insto, I mean let's face it if you're an institutional capital looking to deploy into 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 crypto you would most likely go to Coinbase or or um some of the other spot exchanges in the us and buy the spot underlying Um, obviously if you were comfortable trading on offshore you know some of the places where you would by far be better off is say Coinflex and our physically delivered perps because you get the same exposure and you can hit delivery whenever you want so the um you know the advantage there is, is is purely with pro trading firms which is somewhat unfair because because if you know, Gensler and these SEC think that the pro shares ETF is really to to bring everyone into crypto. You know, they've missed a trick here because it's not the institutional. I'll be very very surprised on institutional uptake versus retail. And so they've created a product that only retail will use, and retail will be penalized immediately for using it because of basis and and, and roll costs.
0: Right, like Coinflex is an exchange, so. You know, we have a bird's eye view of what running a marketplace looks like. And so we see the power of being able to deliver yield generating opportunities, you know, directly sourced, for example, from the CoinFlex repo market. Why is that advantageous to the end user, the end consumer who is potentially retail? Right. Right. And wants to come and access these yield products. Like, why is that more advantageous than needing to rely on these sort of third-party middlemen infrastructure to to trade the markets?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a purely a cost thing. Um, you know, if you look at, uh, you know, as you said at the start, if you look at some of these. Um, that these ETFs provide. They've got a fund admin. They need to pay. They need a PV. They've got multiple lawyers' fees. Um, you know, listing fees. They've got a bunch of rent-seeking um, uh, middleman activities that goes on. That that will naturally have to clamp down on on, on returns by by creating an annual cost. And inequities, I think. ETFs are typically half a percent, but that's half a percent on a multi trillion dollar class. And so it's it's you know, it's not clear how much cheaper they they can really come down below half a percent uh, to in order to accommodate all these different parties. Whereas if you go direct and I think this is where crypto has really come come alive, is that um, you don't have to. To necessarily go through all these rent seeking middlemen now coinflex is a middleman in this process and so you know we're we're part of this kind of ecosystem but but at least we have reduced it to a level where where it's it's reasonable it's cheap and 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 you have uh, you have your direct choice of what you want to do you could you know go one route or the other and then the choice is, is yours
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so we're talking about how potentially you know this crowds out the institutional guys or, or rather puts them on the sideline because they don't want to be paying all these fees. But, you know, this is something that retail who don't have the means to access Bitcoin directly, for whatever reason, they feel more comfortable uh, holding an ETF product. Despite who's actually coming in, I think there's a pretty like clear consensus that money will be piling in. Do you agree with that consensus?
1: Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm completely in agreement the quantum of funds i think is going to heavily depend on what type of etfs uh, uh, gets approved because i think there is a bunch of etfs which are waiting to be approved as you said and each one of those has kind of slight nuances on the next now the worry that i have here is that gensler and the sec are focused super focused on futures based etfs and that's a problem mm. uh, you know, I, I do, you know, they they, for, for whatever reason, they feel that the CME is much more of a credible price discovery mechanism than the rest of the world, which is just plainly ridiculous. And the fact that, you know, if they're only going to approve futures based ETFs, you know, there's going to be a wall of cash coming in. But the point is, we're never going to know what would that number have been if it was a more reasonable spot based uh, or physical ETF, because we'll only have like for like. Now, we have some we have some metrics that we can go off and some back data, like if you look at the Canadian ETFs, um, uh, the futures-based ETFs in crypto versus the physical ones, the futures ones have, I think, less than 1% of the AUM. So if, all, you know, if at the, by the end of December, there's a billion dollars in, in in futures ETFs in the US, then I think we can't safely say that a number would be, you know, 100 times that almost, if it was a physical one, and we could argue that. Um, but, you know, and, and even if you look at, um, I think some of the gold ETFs, um, you know the the futures-based ones are less than five percent of the physical ones. So so mm. or even less than one percent. Again, so we do have data on this which we can use to to verify this. But um, but I think I think the SEC is going to miss a trick here, and I, and I fear that they are going to go for uh, only approving futures-based ones.
0: So then. Maybe looking outside of the SEC, I mean, there have been lots of ETFs approved in other regions, Canada, Europe in particular, we're seeing quite a few as well, at least in the pipeline. Do you think it's more likely that a physical ETF, a physical Bitcoin ETF gets approved overseas simply because of kind of difference in how they view what is credible and and what's not?
1: Yeah, look, they already have, right? I mean, look at, um, you know, I'm not familiar with the ETF scene. Um, Generally, um, but if you look at Switzerland and, and Jersey and now you know Canada, these, there's a lot of physical and ETFs and ETNs and ETPs mm. and all these sort of varieties are coming out. So, so they are going to be well. They already are well ahead of the U.S. But obviously, the U.S. is where the wall of capital is, right? So, if if um, you know, look, it's it, you know, let's face it, the U.S. is the mother of all investable funds. So it's important that it's got that they get it right there. Uh, particularly particularly you know we are starting to see you know really really interesting comments coming from different commissioners within the sec on on this as well because they all start to realize that that you know the the futures based ones are fantastic that we've got our first one but but there are so many better ones that we should be getting out and 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 we also as Coinflex we're pro-choice right we're not you know you know, if you, you know, we allow people to trade the repo directly or you can mint FlexUSD and pay us a commission and we'll do it for you. And the point is about choice. And we want the same with the um, same for passive capital on ETFs as well.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the AMM, because with all of this news coming out about this approval, right, the beginning of trading for pro shares and all the other ETFs that will be hopefully uh, maybe approved in the future, the markets are just much more active, right? And when that happens, there tends to be a lot more volatility as well. So maybe we can talk about how it's advantageous during this time to actually monetize on market volatility and how people can do that with the automated market making product on Coinflex.
1: Yeah, so I think that, I think the starting point to decide um, which strategy to deploy in the MM, and I do agree, it's a great time right now because no one's sure whether whether the ETF news was priced in or not, right? We saw Bitcoin, mm. you know, shoot up to, to 63, then back down to 60,000, back up to 62,000. And he and doesn't really know what to do. And and these are great market conditions for being an AMM, because you set, set a, yourself a fairly wide range, not just on BTC on any of these coins, because they're all starting to sort of get dragged around. And you can, you, know, you can trade back and forth and end up with a bunch of yield. Um, where the decision on what type of AMM you should use is, is kind of interesting now at this point, because up until this point, um, I and obviously the majority of uh, AMM users on CoinFlex, whether you buy first or buy only, amm choice which is that they would buy the first trade on your amm would be a buy so they would never be short delta in the market um, with the etf news it kind of depends on um, whether you buy the rumor and sell the fact kind of uh, uh, hypothesis and what i mean by that is that if it was priced in already now may be a good good time to take advantage of this price to launch a sell only amm so that the first trade will be a sell and then you would kind of buy back because um, if you look at the look look at you know buy the rumor sell the fact type narratives in 2017 there was a CME futures are coming they did and they literally marked the top of the market and if you look back at earlier this year the coinbase listing marked the top of the market because everything got bought up buying the rumor and the fact was oh it's done oh okay that wasn't as great as we thought but okay so let's sell it so um so if you if you subscribe to that, I think I think the um, you know the sell only AMM will become way more popular now. The the uh, but of course you know if you if you're off the school that you know BTC is going to 100K, the the buy first AMMs by far the by the most popular.
0: Permeables. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Correct. Okay. You know something else that I know tons of people, at least on Twitter, uh, have been talking about is what the implications of this ETF could be on the GBTC uh, discount in particular. Up until now, GBTC has been the primary way a lot of people have gotten exposure to Bitcoin without needing to actually custody the underlying, right? So with the launch of all these new ETFs, like what's the impact on the grayscale GBTC product?
1: Yeah, look, it's a a great question. This actually opens up a another point which I wanted to mention as well, but but on the GPDC premium in, in particular, it's a, it's a tough one because, um, you know, Barry Silbert and the, and, and Grayscale keep mentioning the fact that, uh, you know, they're in discussions, they've clearly, they've hired like, I don't know, a hundred people or something or looking to hire a hundred people to convert the GBDC from a close-end fund to a ETF. Now, I've never heard that happen before. So whilst... It'll be great for for GBTC to become a, an ETF. I don't think the SEC, SEC is going to be able, is going to approve a close end fund to become to, to to switch to an ETF. And and without that process happening, I think the GBTC uh, premiums will still be roughly where it is. It may improve because people are like, you know, what it's a discount, and so I'm kind of forward forward receiving my fees, my two percent annual fees. I'm you know it's you know let's say I, the discount is ten percent, I've got five years of of fees covered in the discount so i'll, I'll buy gbdc but from a etf perspective unless there's a possibility to turn a close-end fund to a etf it's 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 going to be tricky um, and to be very mm. clear there are a bunch of close-end funds in different asset classes that traded negative, uh, negative premiums to to NAV. So this is not unusual. This is not temporary. It happens a lot, and in some some in some trackers it's as much as negative forty. And GBDC got there in oh, the wow. past. It's, it's it's way better than where it was now. But it's not um, the the process. Yeah, the, the premium will purely depend on if they can convert that to a, a, a an ETF. I think rather than. Rather than what's going on in other ETFs, as um, the first point, but that actually reminds me about a very interesting point. So, um, even though we talk about roll costs and we're kind of you know being a little bit negative on pro shares or the structure of the pro shares product, um, I think it's important for people to realize as well that um, roll costs, um, you know, are are a hindrance on comparison to spot performance. So you may have a ten to twenty percent drag compared to holding spot. Mm. But, but this product will still track Bitcoin, number one, very, very well. And number two, I think more importantly, it will track it way more efficiently from a cost perspective than any other synthetic uh, instrument that you could pick. And by synthetic instrument, I mean uh, GBTC. Uh, it could be Coinbase shares. It could be MicroStrategy shares. Um, you know, any of those proxies for crypto. This ETF will still be way, way more superior in my view than than any proxy uh method of tracking Bitcoin. So so you know, you know, users of this and and, and passive capital do need to realise that that, you know, you're still way better off owning this ETP than than uh than an equity stock. Uh because in terms mm. of tracking error here, I'm not talking about performance. It's, you know, right. it's not to say that Coinbase could fifty X from there and uh, Etc. Or, 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 or uh, you know, GBTC may become an ETF. That's a different matter. I'm just talking about pure tracking here. This ETF will have way, way, way less tracking error, in my view, than than any other crypto proxy save spot.
0: hmm. Okay, that's interesting. So, I mean, let's say there were a world where, you know, after a few of these Bitcoin futures linked to one do get approved, and let's say a physical Bitcoin ETF were to get approved. Do you think a lot of the flow, like, there would just be a bunch of redemptions from this side going into the physical ETF?
1: Yes, I think there will. I mean, I think there are people, you know, there's there's inertia. You know, I know that, you know, whatever my pension tracker fund that I put some some pounds into 15 years ago i still haven't touched it because i have no idea what the login is right so or or once a you you know or once a year you get a statement so there's inertia that's going to keep funds within etf futures etfs but Hmm. but anyone who's active will will switch out and of course at that point also you have to watch out about the costs right so pro shares may be a cheaper alternative than a Physical ETF, which then has to pay out to custodians and other kind of levels, mm. because with the with the CME, there's obviously you know there's margin costs and everything else, but there's no physical custody. So I, I think it's it's really um it's really a, a a cost cost exercise at that point.
0: Is there anything else you're thinking about? I guess any other questions you have about all of these you know new ETFs that will be rolling out that you think will be helpful to share?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the the, the obvious one is that these uh, futures. Um, Users or, or the, the funds are not going to be accessing offshore crypto exchanges, and I think them again, this is something that they're going to they're they're missing a trick on. And and I, I don't, you know, it's it's a difficult one for them because the the large majority of of us are not regulated in the US. Um, mm-hmm. From on the future side, you know, there, there's a lot of spot exchanges in that are looking at uh, you know US US operations, but that'll be spot only. So I think I think the interesting thing is is to be able to allow the the, the fund traders, funds traders to access cheapest futures wherever they are, whether it be CoinFlex is physically delivered or, or, or Binances or, or whatever else. Because until you have sort of true price discovery, when you, and you're talking about best execution, you know, is it really best XE on CME? It may be, it may be not. So the point is that you need to be able to give people a variety of, of uh, trading venues to, for, for best execution coming in and, and coming out.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. As you say, giving people the optionality to be able to trade what they want to trade uh, where they want to trade, right? Venue wise.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Open and access markets.
0: Exactly. Cool. Well, Sudha, thanks so much for hopping on and giving our our audience the sort of clue in on what to expect from ProShares and kind of our thoughts on, uh, you know, how the market might change uh, with the introduction of these ETFs. Super great to have you on.
1: Thanks for having us.